welcome to Voices from the Field, a podcast produced by the National Collaborating Centre for Indigenous Health. NCCIH focuses on innovative research and community-based initiatives promoting the health and well-being of First Nations, Inuit and Métis peoples in Canada. In this episode, a conversation about COVID-19 with Dr. Chris Mushquash, a registered clinical psychologist and member of Pays Platt First Nation. He's also an associate professor in the Department of Psychology at Lakehead University and the Division of Human Sciences at the Northern Ontario School of Medicine. Here, Dr. Musquash will touch upon some of the mental health stresses that may affect First Nations, Inuit, and Métis peoples as a result of the pandemic. Along with guidelines around physical distancing, he also offers up practices to support the mental health and well-being of Indigenous people, families, and communities during this public health emergency. Professor Musquash, what kinds of mental health stresses might Indigenous peoples be feeling as a result of this pandemic? It's a good question, you know, and I think one of the things that is going to be important to, to think about and, and talk about during the pandemic is, is not only what experiences might be shared, but what, what experiences might be individual as well. So we know that um, different people have different responses to, to challenging situations um, across a number of functions, uh, whether that's someone's internal capacity for resilience, someone's social um, uh, connectivity with, with uh, supports around them. Um, but I think in general, the stresses that many are going to feel uh, as, a, as a result of the pandemic are going to be things that are amplified by many of the uh, feelings that our communities already experience as a consequence of uh, isolation or lack of access to, to service, etc. So I think where I'm in conversation with communities now, a lot of the concerns revolve around those same challenges that we experience um, a lot of the time, uh, you know, uh, limitations with respect to, to housing, uh, substance use uh, issues, trauma, uh, other mental health issues, lack of adequate uh, health facility uh, and or clean drinking water, etc. So, you know, those things are, are sort of realities in many of our communities. And, and I think that, you know, they become amplified in a situation such as COVID-19. You know, in, in some communities where there are limitations with respect to clean water um, into the home, you know, frequent hand washing becomes very, very difficult in that case, doesn't it? You know, there are those social determined limitations of the physical distancing that, that become become difficult. You know, uh, housing that, that has uh, a lot of repair needed or, or many people living in a, in a single dwelling family uh, home, you know, makes it difficult to, to be socially distant. So in that case, you know, what we have to do is, is look at it uh, at a community by community, even family by family or household by household um, way and, and, and look at those, phys- those physical distancing recommendations and figure out how do we contextualize these for, for our reality. So I think the, the social determinants are something that, that we contend with in our communities uh, on a daily basis. And they do get amplified again, you know, in, in situations like this, where there are specific recommendations that are put in place that might make it, that, that it may be difficult to to engage in just given our, um, you know, given, given the realities and, and some of the infrastructure needs that we have. However, you know, one thing I've noted is that a lot of communities across the country have really um, been ahead of the curve with respect to um, practicing uh, physical distancing uh, and putting in place processes in the community uh, to limit uh, travel in and out to protect those who are most vulnerable. So um, I, I, I'm optimistic about that. You know, in, in one way, 
the the same isolation that is often seen for us as a as a as a challenge when it comes to adequate service and, and care in this case, maybe even a bit of a strength in that it, it gives us a bit of a buffer and a, a little more control in terms of trying to contain uh, spread when it comes to something like COVID-19. Professor Musquash, can you speak more to the differential effects that COVID-19 may have among various Indigenous populations? Again, that's, that's, a, that's a complex question. And, and where I like to start first is, you know, what are the things that, that everyone is going to experience together? Uh, because I think it, you know, at times like like when a pandemic occurs, um, there really are aspects of of response that require that we come together as a community, regardless of individual level differences. That said, you know, when it comes to that that shared experience, there's always within that uh, challenges that that are differential across the range. Uh, so we know that, for example, um, older people or people who are uh, immunocompromised uh, or, or suffering a, a comorbid uh, condition seem to uh, be at higher risk of, of complications in relation to COVID. Um, so that's a group, you know, that that is going to, you know, experience things differently for sure. And that's going to be uh, among each of those groups, First Nations, Inuit, Métis, um, and, and the entire lifespan, as well as um, gender. Oftentimes, people from, from groups that experience more marginalization when a situation arises that that necessitates physical distancing or say the inability to gather with with social support groups that that can be a further isolating situation so you know members of the uh, lgbt uh, 2q2s uh, group um, you know could could be at, at experiencing particular challenge when it comes to activating the the, the social supports the groups around them the, the, the big piece is in understanding how people are going to experience this together and then looking, you know, to see how others are going to experience it if they belong to a, a, spe- a specific group. One area where we're, you know, particularly concerned, of course, is in, in our communities is um, with respect to people who have, who are experiencing mental health difficulties or substance use difficulties, um, particularly if, um, if people begin experiencing um, disruptions in their, in their usual medical, medical care or in their usual um, uh, mental health care. Uh, you know, which could escalate, of course, um, you know, difficulties within the home that, that then have to be supported. Um, so overall, you know, the, the, the picture is, is one that requires a lot of thought from people in all levels uh, within the community, but within as well partners, uh, partner organizations and, you know, the province and the federal government to ensure that, you know, we're wrapping around uh, people as each of their needs would require. Professor Musquash, when it comes to the mental health and well-being of First Nations, Inuit, and Métis people, are there particular resources or practices to support their mental health, especially given physical distancing? One of the things that I, that I talk about a lot is in bringing lessons that we know from our culture, lessons that we know from the bush, and we bring those back in our house, in our, in our homes. And, and in particular, at a time like this, you know, it, it becomes important to try our very, very best to you know, maintain the type of structure and the type of purpose that being out provides for us, right? So in the same way as, as we would, um, you know, engage in daily activities that promote accomplishment and achievement, et cetera, we, we would be doing that, you know, trying to continue to do that in our homes. We would, you know, ensure being, ensuring that we're getting enough um, physical activity, making sure that we're sleeping, you know, as well as we can, making sure that we're eating as well as we can, and, and, and really trying to do those things in a structured way. On the flip side, recognizing, of course, that now that things are so disrupted um, and that um, our, our typical um, ways of doing that within our families and within our communities has been, you know, disrupted, 
also having some uh, compassion for ourselves and compassion for our, our, our families, you know, um, and compassion for, for, for people in our communities. So one of the things that you see uh, right now is um, people, you know, engaging in, in, in a couple of different um, approaches to, to, to trying to manage the stress associated with COVID. On one hand, you've got people who seem to be buying up resources or overstocking themselves in, in ways that are disruptive to, to other people. So for example, you know, you, you see that there's say toilet paper shortages or other shortages of necessary supplies, recognizing that that's a, a response to a, to, a, to a stressful and unpredictable situation that, that actually is sort of fear and anxiety based for sure. On the flip side, you know, there are people who are um, having difficulty um, internalizing some of the social or some of the physical distance messaging and, and maybe being a little more uh, relaxed in terms of uh, approach, you know, on the other side, right? So, and, and it's easy to become frustrated with, with people, whether family members, community members, uh, friends, etc. but recognizing that those are, you know, relatively typical responses to things that are stressful and things that are unpredictable. So psychologically, then, what people require is, is that compassion, that warmth, and, and, and that, that, that validation to, to say, hey, you know, um, I know this is, this is the response that you're having right now. You know, how can I support? How can, how can we help? There are supports that are of use to, to think about. One of the things that we know from research literature on, on crises is that um, engaging with too much social media use can actually uh, potentially escalate anxiety. Um, when compared to say traditional media sources, so that's that's an important consideration, right? So we really want to make sure that people are um, not over consuming social media and and getting caught up in it, well, I guess in the misinformation and rumor and, and gossip that can occur in, in social media. The other thing that we know is that too much media of any kind can can affect um, our wellness as well. So I think you know it is important to you know, really pay attention within our communities to information that's that's reliable, valid, um, and comes from, from a useful source. So within our own communities, there are a lot of resources and practices that can support mental health and well-being. So when it comes to really making sure that we're paying attention to our emotional uh, regulation and our, our ability to tolerate stress, engaging in our, in, our, in our cultural practices, you know, this is a, a good time to visit. You know, it's a good time to to spend time if you're, you know, in a home with folks, with your family, to, to really hear their stories, to talk with each other, to, to, to laugh, to really, you know, look at the context, the situation that we're in, and then the, the thoughts about how stressful it is and how difficult it is. But then, you know, the opposite of that is, well, there's also some opportunity here, right? There's opportunity to connect in different ways, to spend more time together, to, to, to really um, work hard to um, build relationships. And, you know, a lot of communities have those, those types of um, natural supports built in as well. Um, and then at the community level, um, obviously, you know, chief and council, um, you know, become important uh, people to, you know, be engaged with to, to really, you know, ensure that we're um, getting information out accurately across our communities, making sure that those who ought to be as physically distant as possible, so the elderly, those who have compromised health systems, etc., have the resources to ensure that they're able to get groceries and they're able to get firewood and get the other things that they need to subsist for the next uh, while while the physical distancing recommendations are in place. There's resources available from organizations, but then there are those resources that are available within our communities, and that's our people, that's our culture, that's our practices, that's our, our relationships and, and, and all of that. Professor Musquash, thank you. Thank you very much.
To hear more podcasts in this series, head to the Voices from the Field homepage, located on the website of the National Collaborating Center for Indigenous Health, nccih.ca. Music on this podcast is by Blue Dot Sessions. It appears under a Creative Commons license. Learn more at www.sessions.blue.